And we are starting a new series on Joseph today. So we begin in Genesis chapter 37 and reading verses 1 to 11. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed in the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers and and the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him a richly ornamented robe for him. Watch words that are going to come up now. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were building sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered round mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I want to show a video right before. And um, while it's coming on, it is from the western part of the United States. And we're going to get, it's, it's called, this is a, a series, it was called Gone in 60 Seconds. So hopefully, um, yeah, John, you don't want to see that, do you? But it's, it's about a fire that is at a, a place where they make rocket fuel. And I just want to just show you this. This place here, okay, that place made rocket fuel for the shuttle. And, it, and there was a fire that got started by a welding torch. And when that, when that stuff reaches 381 degrees Celsius, watch what happens. This is a fire, just, just a regular fire. You see the shock wave on the bottom? That's when all of the that's when all the rocket fuel caught fire. But it's not just that. Then there was then there was another explosion. We can we can stop it here. There's somebody. This is Jacob's home right now. The home that Joseph grew up in was a was a powder keg. Was it was an explosion that was waiting to happen? It was a home that was filled with there was. Um, there was favoritism on the part of Jacob toward his son Joseph. Did you catch how many times it talked about hate? What the brothers thought about, about Joseph? It was a home that was filled with hate. It was a home that was filled with anger. It was a home that was filled with jealousy. I mean, it was just seething, just waiting to blow up. Where I grew up in the, in the middle part of the United States, where we grew up, um, a lot of farming and a lot of farmland, a lot of uh, cows. And where, where I lived, the area where I lived, they... Um, they raise cows for milk and for cheese and for butter and things like that. And in the summertime, 
They would go out and they would cut the grass and they would make it into, into bales, small bales, to feed the, the cows later on in the year. But sometimes when they would do that, they, they wouldn't allow it to dry. They wouldn't allow it to dry as much as what it needed to. And they would put it up into the barn. And the, the stuff would get hot. This, this hay would get very, very hot. And all of a sudden you would have a fire. And it would just sit there and smolder and smolder until one day that fire kicked off. Much, not as bad an explosion as this. But it just, it just exploded. There was, a, there was a fire that would start in that barn, doing a lot of damage to the barn. This is Joseph's home. And the question that you want to ask is, because at the end of all of this that's going to happen, Joseph is going to be sold into slavery. How does that happen? How does his family get to this place? And more importantly, how do we prevent this from happening in our house? Because there's a big issue that's going on here. And it's the issue of hurt. And when hurt isn't dealt with in our lives, hurt doesn't quarantine well. Do you know what I mean when I say quarantine? For some of you, that, that's, a, that's a 50 cent word. You've never heard that. What it means to quarantine is to keep it, is to keep it close, to keep it um, from, from getting out. And hurt doesn't quarantine well. And if you don't deal with hurt in a way that brings honor and glory to God, it's going to explode. And this is what happens in Joseph's family. Now, now it says here, now, whenever you have conflict, please keep this in mind. Whenever there is conflict, there are two parties involved. There are always two parties involved. Sometimes you think, well, I, I didn't do anything. You know, I'm not part of this conflict. This, you know, somebody else did something. No, no, no. There's always two sides to the conflict. And there's two sides in this conflict here. It isn't just Joseph's brothers. Next week, we're going to look at the dreams. But this week, I want to look at the family dynamic that's going on here in this family. And it's one of hurt. It's one of favoritism. But it's also a 17-year-old boy. And a 17-year-old boy who is a bit immature in the things that, it, that he said. Here it says, Joseph gives him... Then this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. Now, now Scripture does something. I, while I'm going to be teaching you uh, in this sermon and in this sermon series, there's something that I want to teach you as well, just kind of an aside. I want to teach you how to read the Bible. Because... What happened before this? I mean, there's been a gap of time. We, the, the, the scriptures do this many times, especially in the Old Testament. There's just years go by. There's been about 11 years of time have gone by. Most commentators believe that when Jacob comes back to the land of Canaan, Joseph is about six years old. Now we find Joseph is 17. We're not told about anything that's happened during this time. We are told about some of the things, but we're not told about anything that's happened to Joseph. All of a sudden, we pick Joseph up, and he's 17 years old. And it says there, he was out with his brothers tending the flocks, and he brought a bad report back to them. Now, it's one thing. It's one thing to have a, a, brother, <clears throat> a brother that dad dotes on, that dad loves more than anybody else. It's another for that brother to bring a bad report. Now, before you call Joseph a tattletale, someone who, who brings back a bad report about Joseph. Genesis is very clear on something. It always paints Joseph in a positive light. So when Joseph brings back the report, while it may have been true, it did not ingratiate, he did not ingratiate himself, he did not make himself, uh, he did not build himself up any better in the, in the eyes of his brothers. And Joseph's immaturity 
caused him to do things that caused his brothers to hate him more and more every single day. When Joseph comes before his father, before his brothers, and tells them of his dreams, it just says that they hated him. They couldn't even say a kind thing to him. On top of this, Joseph's father, Jacob, was, a, was, do, was doting on Joseph, and that only added fuel to the explosive situation. A doting father. I mean, we all have, I mean, in our family, we had four kids. Some of the kids that we had were a little easier to work with than some of the others. There was, uh, we had one son, we called him Leatherbottom. I mean, he just, uh, he, he, was, he tried me at every, at every turn. He's the son that was most like me in, in his makeup and in the way he lived. But we all have children who are different. Many of you who are here, you have one child, you have two, cho- two children. But there can come a point where you can dote on a child so much that you don't teach them anything. You actually are hurting them in what it is that they're doing. And Jacob dotes on, on Joseph. Why does he dote on Joseph? Why does he love Joseph more than all of his other sons? Because Joseph is the son of whom? Rachel. And we learned earlier on that what did it say about jo- Joseph, about Rachel and Leah? Remember, Joseph or Jacob is tricked into marrying Leah. And we're told that Leah had weak eyes and, and Rachel was lovely in form. I mean, she must have been a knockout. When Scripture says that, she must have been an extremely beautiful woman. And we're going to learn later on in the, in, the, in the Joseph story that Joseph must also have looked like his mother because they say the very same thing about Joseph. And jo- Jacob is tricked into marrying Leah. And we're told that Jacob loved Rachel. But he did not love Leah. Oh my, how would you like to be in that home? How would you like to be in that home? And he dotes, he dotes on Jacob, or on Joseph, excuse me, I got all these J's today. He dotes on, on Joseph, and he gives him a coat, a coat of many colors. Now that coat was, was huge. When the brothers see that coat, what do they say? They hated him all the more. Verse 5, jo- or, um, Verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father had loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Why did they hate him? Because of what they saw their father doing to Joseph. Were they getting any attention? No, No, they weren't. And on top of that, Jacob gives this coat of many colors. It's like, Jacob, did you forget? Jacob grew up in a home where each parent had their favorite child. His father, Isaac, loved Esau. Esau was a man of the field. Where we grew up in, where we, our last church in, in the northern part of the, the United States in Minnesota, I mean, he would have been a man's man. He would have been someone who had been out in the field, someone who loved to hunt, someone who loved to fish. And Isaac loved Jacob. And Rebekah, his wife, loved Isaac, or loved, loved Jacob. And this is the home that Jacob grew up in. Did he not remember the, 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 the problems that favoritism causes? Folks, parents, there is no room. Grandparents, there is no room for favoritism in our families. There are some of your kids that God, that God is just hardwired that are going to test you at every point. There are those other children that are compliant. They'll do whatever they want. They were potty trained by a year and a half. They, you know, they were eating solid food by one year, you know, whatever. I mean, these were the kids. And then there was the kid who fought you the whole way along. 
Whatever it is, whomever it is that God has given you, he's not called you to do favoritism. Favoritism is toxic. It is toxic and it is divisive in a family. It divides families up. And Jacob's family here is, is a prime example. Jacob gives his son this coat of many colors. That coat of many colors, some say it was a, a long sleeve coat. What it was was a coat that, um, that clan chiefs would wear. What Jacob is telegraphing to his family and to his other ten sons is this. Joseph is the heir apparent. At 17 years old, his brothers were probably in their early 30s. In their early, they were quite a bit older than, than Joseph would have been. And he is saying to all of his brothers, this is the heir apparent. Why? Why did he do it at this time? There's something that's going on in the background. Jacob's oldest son is a guy by the name of Reuben. Reuben, in an attempt to get his father's place in the family, sleeps with one of his wives, Bilhah. In an attempt, and Jacob does nothing. He knows, he knows what it is that Reuben has done, and Reuben knows what it is that, that, he, that he, and Reuben knows that his father knows. And at this point, Jacob needs to, he needs to strengthen his hand. So he gives over, he says to the family, this is the heir apparent. And these sons were hurt. And here's the thing, here's the thing, hold on to this. When you're hurt, and be guaranteed on this, you will be hurt in life, won't you? When you are hurt, what do you do with the hurt? Because remember, hurt doesn't quarantine well, it doesn't stay well. And when you are hurt, where does it move to? If you don't deal with the hurt, if you don't deal with the hurt and say, this is wrong, this person hurt me, and either go to this person and say, um, I don't know if you know what it is that you said to me, but when you said that, 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 that deeply hurt me. Now, in an Asian and Oriental culture, sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we'll say to somebody else, uh, could you inform that person that what they did was... was uh, was, was very offensive to me. It's hurtful to me. And I don't know if that is always the way in which God intends it to be. If that's a hard one for us, especially in an Asian culture. But they were hurt. But what do you do with the hurt? Because, see, what happens with hurt is that it moves from I'm hurt to where? I hate. It's right here. Three times. Here's your next thing. When you read Scripture... You're going to find in Scripture there are gaps, like, like we read about here today. I mean, we pick up Joseph when he's 17 years old. There's a gap. Hey, what's happened in those, in those 11 years? God doesn't tell us. What God tells us is what he, what he wants us to know, the most important thing. But when God takes the time to give you a detail, to give you something about that in rapid succession, in three verses, in verse 4, in verse 5, and in verse 8, we find that, that the brothers hate him. And did you see the level of where the hate is going? It's intensifying, isn't it? I'm hurt. I hate. If you don't deal with hurt in a way that is biblical and God-honoring, it moves to the next place. I'm hurt. I hate. I will hurt you. And I don't care what it does to you. Have you ever met somebody like that? Been in a home where, where I've got a friend that I know and he's talking to me about the home that, that his, his family's part of and there's a person in the family that's absolutely toxic, bitter, hateful in, the, in that family and just the damage that it's causing in that home. 
If you don't deal with the hurt in a godly way, it moves from I'm hurt to I hate and I'm going to hurt. And I don't care how it hurts you. Have we seen this already in Joseph's brothers? Oh, we have. Oh, we have. Remember, if you want to do some reading, just some background reading about this. Jacob and his family moved to the area of Shechem. Jacob's got a daughter by the name of Dinah. Now, there's a couple of schools of thought. Dinah is hanging around with the women from Shechem. Where is her father at this point? He should be watching over his daughter. He's not watching over her daughter, but why is she there as well? There's two schools of thought on that. And Dinah is with the people of Shechem, and she is, uh, for younger years, she is uh, sexually abused. And the brothers, Jacob does what? Nothing. Jacob doesn't do anything. When the report comes to Jacob that the, that the chief's son has sexually abused his daughter, he does nothing. But her brothers, oh boy. My daughter was jilted. She had a, she had a guy who um, said he wanted to marry her. And they were engaged, and we went out to see my, my uh, second son. They, they'd had a baby, went out to see the new baby, came home, and uh, the, the wedding was going to be later on in the, in, the, uh, in the year in December. And when she got home, uh, she drove back up to where it was that she lived, and at 2.30 in the morning, I get a phone call from my daughter. She's crying and saying, he doesn't love me. He doesn't want to be married to me. And I'm thinking, I want to rip his lungs out at that point. You know, how dare you hurt my daughter? But, ooh, it wasn't me. My daughters-in-law, ooh, were they upset at this guy for what it is that they did to their sister-in-law. And these brothers, Simeon and Levi, this is their sister that was raped, that was sexually abused. And they take matters into their own hands. And what do they do? They say... <laughs> They basically, you can read it for yourself, it's quite an account. But they kill all of the men of Shechem. I'm hurt. I hate. I'm going to hurt you, and I don't care what it does to you. So do you see, there's already a pattern. There's already a pattern for these brothers. And they are hurt. They are deeply hurt by what it is that their father has done, not only to their mothers, but also to them. What do we learn from this? What do we learn from this as parents? Do our children need our attention? Hey, let me say that a little louder. Do our children need our attention? Yes, they do. Yes, they do, no matter how old they are. They need our attention and they need our love and they need to hear. Guys, your sons need to hear something that comes out of your mouth. They need to hear from you. I am proud of you. I love you. I am so glad that you are my child. Dads, your daughters need to know that they are the absolute apple of your eye. My daughter still, when just a few, uh, a few years ago, at 23, 24 years old, she still came up and sat on my lap. And it's like, put her arms around my head, and it's like, that's what I want. I want it because there's knuckle-draggers that are going to come into your home and want to date your daughter. And I think, whoa, you better be really good to, to date my daughter. And your daughters, dads need to hear that you love them. 
Because if you don't take the time to tell your daughters that you love them and care for them, and they're the absolute apple of your eye, there is someone who's going to come along and tell them exactly what it is they want to hear. And those are the last people you want saying things into your, into your children's hearts. Our children are precious. And treat them. Treat them like the precious children that they are. Spend time with them. Talk to them. Tell them that you love them. When they, when they screw up, don't just yell at them. There's a point where you've got to say some tough things to them. But also come along and say other things as well. Lift them up. Because if all they ever hear out of you is that what they do wrong, they're going to grow up with an attitude, well, I don't want to be around dad. I don't want to be around mom. And these guys are hurt. They're hurt because there's absolutely no, there's absolutely no love shown to them. All the love is being shown to Joseph. I'm hurt. I hate. And I'm going to hurt. How is it that they sell Joseph into slavery? And next week we're going to talk about that. As they see Joseph going away, as they hear Joseph crying out in the cistern for them to get him out of there, and they're eating lunch while this is all going on, and when they see the Midianites come, and they sell him, they sell him at the price of a crippled slave. That's what they sold him for. And as they watch Joseph going away, they think, out of sight and out of mind. And you want to ask the question, where is God in all the midst of this? And that's next week what we're going to talk about this. And they hurt. And why did they hurt? Because they were hurt. And what do we learn about that? How do we deal with hurt? Have you been hurt recently? I had a district superintendent who used to always ask the question, so what are you going to do with that hurt? What are you going to do with that anger? Are you going to keep it to yourself? Are you going to allow it to fester in your, in your life? A number of years ago, I had a, a rototiller. I don't know if you know what a rototiller is. It's for when you're in the garden and you, you know, it uh, digs up the soil. And this thing was cantankerous. It would start sometimes. It would, wouldn't start the other. And I'm out there. I had only a short time to work. And I'm trying. I'm, I'm pulling this thing, and it's not working. And I got upset. And finally, I was like, all right. And I pulled back on this thing, and it, and it stopped. And my hand kept going, and it came right up by the handle, and there was a sharp piece of metal, and it cut right into there. But the sharp piece of metal was also dirty because my hands had been in the... And it jabbed all of that dirt underneath that, that cut. And that hurt so stinking bad, and the Lord taught me about my anger, too, at, at that point. But it, it sat there, and, and Beckett said, Oh, we've got to get in there, and we've got to clean that out. It's like, Oh, no, you don't. You're not touching that. That really hurts. And sometimes we can allow the hurt to fester. And if you don't deal with it, if you don't deal with it, it's not going to get any better. It's going to move on. If you don't deal with the hurt over here, it's not just going to be... Time doesn't heal all wounds. That is a fallacy. That is a lie. You have to deal with hurt. Who's hurt you? And how is it that you're dealing with that hurt? These brothers were hurt. And yet their father, I don't know how, it just boggles my mind how he's clueless of what to do. As parents, we build a platform. We build a platform for our kids to launch our kids out. Jacob builds a platform, but he pushes his kids off the platform. You know, in Scripture, it talks about, <clears throat> excuse me, in Scripture, in Ephesians chapter, you know, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. We can say mothers too on that. 
Fathers, mothers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Um, Whose job is it to raise your children to love the Lord? It's not the churches. We want to come alongside. We want to help, but it's your job. It's your job. God has given you that, that, sacred, that sacred job to train up your children. But can I, can I, for the sake of a few moments, talk to some of you younger people sitting along the edges? In the same way that it says fathers don't exasperate your children, um, children don't exasperate your parents. Because sometimes when we, when we ask you to do something, sometimes when we, when we say something, uh, what we get back from you is not usually the response that we want. And there's talk about in Scripture about honor your mother and father. Honor your parents. You may not always agree with what it is that they, that they say now. But you may find in a few years that, oh, they, they really did know what it is that they were talking about. That's usually about 21 or 22 that they figure that out. But it also says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, get rid of all bitterness... Rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. Have you been hurt? Who hurt you? Was it a father? Was it a mother? Was it a sibling? A boss? What are you going to do with that hurt? What are you going to do with that hurt? What What are you doing with that hurt? Because remember, hurt doesn't quarantine well. It, it doesn't stay. It doesn't stay within those boundaries. Time doesn't heal all wounds. I'm hurt. I hate. And I'm going to hurt. And I don't care. I won't care what it does to you. What are you doing with that hurt? And for some of us this morning, it is bringing hurt that we have carried on and we've allowed to just live in us so that as we look at people or as we look at situations, it affects the way in which we, we look at people. It affects the way in which we do things. Because it's been so much a part of our lives. At what point do we lay it at the feet of the Savior and say, today I choose to forgive this? Even though that person may not ever say to you, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for the way in which I hurt you. They may never say that. Joseph's brothers never say that to him. Never. Even when they're faced before him and realize what it is that they've done, they never come back to Joseph and say, would you forgive us for what it is we've done? Some people will never say that to you. But what are you going to do with the hurt? Because it's your responsibility. People can't make you hateful. They can't make you hurtful. You make that choice to be hateful and to be hurtful. And it goes back to what am I going to do with that hurt? So you help me out. Here's the teacher coming out at me. So what, what's the progression? I, okay, wow, wow. Do I, do, do I got to go over this again? I mean, it's almost noon, guys. I hurt. And I don't care. Yeah. What are you doing with your hurt? Jesus is willing to step into the mess and this is where we're going next week. This, Jesus is willing to step into a mess to bring about healing. Healing that you didn't think would ever be possible. But if you will allow Christ, if you will allow him to take that hurt 
and ask for him to change your heart and to change your attitude towards that person. That's a huge part of it. What am I going to do with that hurt? I'm going to give it to the Lord. But then you see that person, it's like, everything comes back of what it is that they've done. Not only give the hurt to the Lord, but ask him to change your heart and the way in which you look at that person. We had a situation happen in, uh, I, I maybe have told you the story with this, I'm done. Uh, in, in Montana, we had a lady who was, uh, well, uh, really hurt, hurt us with, with gossip. Nothing destroys a church faster than gossip. And one day, um, approached her and said, you know, wanted to have a chat with her because somebody came to me and said, hey, you know, this lady's talking about us. Well, it didn't end well. And after a while, they, they left the church, and I thought, wow, what a, what a, what a blessing. Was to, I wish I could have seen the door hit them on the way out of the church. And I, it's like, oh, praise the Lord. I mean, they, it's just so much of a better attitude and everything. That was wrong. That was wrong. And so we had a, a flash drive. Our district superintendent came. We were about three hours from, from where uh, our, our district office was. And we had a flash drive, and, and he had left it at, at our house. Well, the next day we were going to where the district office was, and I said, I'll just take the flash drive in to see him, or just give it back. And so I brought the flash drive in to him, and he says, Oh, while you're here, can I chat with you for a second? He said, Do you know, and he gave me the name of this lady. And I said, Ugh. Yes, I said, what has she done this time? And he said, oh, well, she bent my ear for quite a while about, about you. And <clears throat> I thought, uh-oh. And he, and he said, uh, you know what he said, I think? <clears throat> he said, I think you need to reconcile with her. He said, what do you think? And what I thought was not good. And I, I told him, I said, I would rather do anything else but do that. And then he brings out the, out the Jesus card. And he says, so what would Jesus do in this situation? And I said, Tim, that's not fair. And he said, well, I want you guys to think about it. And for three hours, we drove home. Three hours, we drove home. And I was stewing the whole way home about this. I I did not want to do this, but realizing that we needed to do this. So the day was set. There were two days of meetings that we had with the district superintendent, to bring about uh, healing and restoration. For two days, I listened to how I had offended everybody in the house except the dog, and maybe I'd have offended the dog too. I was just, I sat back there, and I said to the Lord, I said, I will own whatever it is that I've done. If I've done something that was wrong, I will own it. But I've, if I've not, then I'm not going to own that. And I listened. And after two days, the district superintendent turned to the, turned to the lady and said to her, so... What part did you play in this? And she was aghast. I was like, what do you mean, what part? I, I had no part in this. If anything, maybe I could use a little more tact in the way that I said things. And I'm thinking, you tact? You gossiped? You destroyed our, you know, everything. And, but when we left, I remember Beck and I walking, a very cold day in January, and walking down the stairs, and we were praying and saying, God, we did what you asked us to do. And we forgive her. But Lord, would you change our attitude towards her? This is a small town. Two grocery stores in town, both across the street. You always see people there. I mean, there was nothing else there. And it was several days after that, we walked in there. If I would have seen her two weeks before that in the grocery store, I would have left. I, just, I didn't want to be around her. And I walked in the grocery store, and there she is with her, son, with her daughter. And for the first time in many years, 
I wasn't wanting to run away. It was like, oh, I was able to say, hey, how are you doing? And kept the conversation light, but I was at least able to say that. And I realized, God, you've done a work in my heart and my life. And I can relate that story today and know that God has changed my heart. Do I still appreciate the things that she did? No, they were very hurtful. But I don't carry the hurt and the anger that I once did towards this person. I hurt, I hate, and I'm going to hurt you. And what are you going to do with the hurt? Today there are many of us, I really believe, that we need to bring that hurt to Christ and ask him to bring healing in that area, but not just that, but ask him to change your heart towards that person and the way that you look. Look at that person. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for... The fact that the words, the first words you said from the cross were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what it is that they do. And you kept on saying it. And in Scripture, you, you, you tell us, and God, at times, this is really hard. You tell us that in the same way that we've been forgiven in Christ, we are to forgive. God, we can't do that. Apart from your enablement, we can't do that. For some of us, we have been hurt so deeply by somebody an employer, a parent, a sibling, somebody that was close to us, somebody that that hurt us deeply. And God, for some of us, we have been carrying this hurt for years. And it's defining who it is that we are. And today, Jesus, you long to enter into the mess. And you long to bring about healing and restoration. And not just healing and restoration in our lives, but you long to change the way in which we look at that person. And God, as we are here today, as our seat is an altar before you, Lord, would you hear our prayers? For some of us, God, we just need to say, God, help me, please. And lay that hurt at your feet. And God, even now as you hear the prayers and the cries of our heart, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for healing. For healing in relationships between husbands and wives. As husbands, we've said something that has been hurtful. Or as a wife, we've said something that has just cut to the core of who we are. We've said things to our children and our children are hurt by them. And God, you long to be the God who heals. And the God who heals relationships. And God, would you come in the midst of this time today and bring healing into relationships. And Lord, for some, they will never come out and say, would you forgive me for what I did to you? Lord, would you, even in spite of that, would you change the way in which, God, we look at that person? And God, for some of us, we realize it's not going to happen overnight. But Lord, would you do that work of healing as well in our lives? Lord, all of us are going to be hurt at some time in our lives. But the difference it will make is what is it that we are going to do with the hurt. As parents, I pray that, God, that you would help us to love our children. They didn't come with a set of directions. And they're not all wired the same way. But, God, would you help us to love them in Christ? Would you help us to say those words to our our sons that we're proud of them, that we love them? 
Would you help us as dads to say to our daughters how much they mean to us and how deeply we love them? I pray that from us as parents, our children will hear those words of affirmation and blessing and love that they need to hear. Even though we may not have heard it from our parents, God, would you help us to raise up a new generation, a generation that knows how deeply they are loved by their parents. God, thank you. Thank you for bringing us around your word today. Thank you for leaving this account in the scriptures. You don't clean up the scriptures, but you show us what life was really like. And this is what a life is like when it is left, when hurt is left undone. God, let it never be in this place. Come and do a work of healing that only you can. To the glory of your precious and holy name, we pray this. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray as our Lord has taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen.